We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. Welcome. Our podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company. They are a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support the members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits to them. Do not wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each and every month with our coffee club, the coffee that gives back. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. 
all the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. All right, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Now, this is a special segment to the podcast. What it is is we're going to be discussing each hunter's favorite wild game recipe from start to finish, how they discovered it, how they developed it, or just simply developed it from just trying random things and all of a sudden like, hey, it tastes good. And uh, this, the first segment will be with Austin, and he's going to break down his previous hunt with his elk hunt, but he's going to be talking about a special ingredient that a lot of hunters really crave for. So Austin, why don't you talk about that, that one special ingredient you utilized? Yeah, man. So um, for me, it's the heart. Uh, it, and I think that, you know, anybody that hunts or has spent any time hunting or at least um, even maybe a, a spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, someone that does, mm-hmm. um, you've probably eaten a little bit of heart. And uh, I think everybody probably has their own way of doing it. And, um, and, and I mean, there really, in my opinion, is no wrong way to do it because it's, it's just one of my favorite parts, you know. And, yeah. Um, and, and part of it's the tradition, you know, part of it's the. Um, kind of the story and the meaning behind it and, and mm-hmm. being a, a part of and sharing a part of that animal and with yourself and, and that whole, you know, thing. But, um, dude, you can cook up some heart and it is delicious. It's like, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's because it's obviously cardiac muscle and it just, it's so lean and, um, man, it just, and on top of that, you know, cause this experience that I had with this specific recipe was, uh, after spending a, uh, a week hunting with the, uh, the Eastman's hunting journal boys. And, uh-huh. um, we went out five days and actually the guys that we linked up with for the hunt, the guy, Johnny, that had the tag, uh-huh. um, had been there two days prior to us. And yeah. so, um, he spent, or I guess we spent six days, five full days. Um, he spent eight days out there wow. hunting this monster bull elk. I think it ended up being around three seventy. Uh, Boone and Crockett. I mean, just uh, a monster elk. Yeah, it is. Um, so he got it and uh, and actually surprised us with it because we heard the shot. I was up on the hill glassing, and um, you know, uh, we kind of we we actually saw the guys go in, um, and then they disappeared over the hill. <coughs> Excuse me. About twenty minutes later, we hear the shot, and you know, we're like, "Oh man!" I, I, hopefully, he got one of those bulls because we had seen him kind of grazing into that direction, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we get back to our, our uh, camp setup and we waited, waited, waited. And we we're like, all right, like we're getting worried. So like, let's go out and look for them. Right as we get up, they come back. He comes back and kind of was like, oh man, we walked all over that place. And I had my camera because I had been filming the whole hunt. And uh, he was like, you know, we walked all over the place and, and never did see that thing. And I like turned my camera off kind of like all uh, bummed out because he didn't actually get it. And then, uh, one of the other guys that had been with him comes in with the heart in the bag. And he's like, we're eating good tonight, boys, you know? And, uh, yeah. So he kind of surprised us. And um, we went out and we had already built up, pre-built this big bonfire, mm-hmm. but we didn't light it the whole week. And we said, you know, that'll be the, we got him bonfire. And so we went out, yeah. lit up that bonfire and uh-huh. um, got that heart out, had a cast iron skillet. And um, the cool thing about cast iron, which I'm sure most people know is you, you can pre-season the, the cast iron uh, they had pre-season their cast iron skillet and uh, we set it down on the grate right in the fire and started kind of cutting up the heart and and, uh, and they and the recipe that i had is from uh, a buddy of mine i work with george bell fieldcraft survival and, 
um, you know, he had passed me over a couple of recipes before we took off. And, mm-hmm. um, and this was one of them. So uh, luckily they had some of the ingredients with them. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, do we have any olive oil? And they're like, well, no, but we got vegetable oil. So we're like, okay, cool. That'll work. And so we, we diced it up and, uh, and my recipes, uh, well, I guess I can't claim it as my own, but George's recipe is a little olive oil, um, some red wine vinegar, some Worcestershire sauce, uh, a little salt, a little oregano, a little thyme, mm-hmm. some black pepper. And then if you can, if you have some bell pepper or something, you chop that up and put in there too. Yeah. Mix it all up and just let it cook, you know, just like you would a steak. Even. Uh, you kind of just uh, brine it and then, uh, or even like sear it. And then kind of what depends on what you got. And it's a little bit diff- more difficult to cook over open fire and be yeah. real specific with the heat, but, um, you know, cook it up and then you just let it be a little bit tender in the center. And, oh, dude, it was so good. And when you guys cut it up, did, did you turn into like rings or did you dice it up? How did you guys prepare that heart? Yes. Yeah, so they, um, so I, uh, I think it was Ike, Ike Eastman cut it up and he cut the tip off and then he gave just the very tip of the heart to Johnny. He ate that raw. Okay. That kind of ties into that, you know, that tradition of eating the, the, the raw heart of whatever yeah. you kill. And, um, so he ate that raw and then he just kind of, he diced it up into, um, uh, gosh, what am I trying to say? Like little, um, cubes like, almost. almost like not cubes but uh, just like rounds i guess you could okay. say and uh and then he cut it up and then we cut those in half as they got bigger and bigger because an elk heart you know was pretty big it was like yeah, almost is. the size of a cantaloupe or something mm-hmm. and it was uh it, it and, the, and then there's something just like even better about when you've been out on a long hunt and you and you finally drop the animal that you've been looking at mm-hmm. and uh been going after and it it just adds to that whole experience, you know, like there's, there's a lot to be said about procuring and hunting and gathering and, and just doing it all on your own and going through the whole process, you know, and yeah, it just yeah. makes that food that much better. Oh, I agree. It's just, I don't like it when you go and you're like the springtime, we have what kind of everybody's getting excited for turkey hunting. Plus mm-hmm. you also get the morale mushrooms and depending on what state you live in, we can almost, you almost get two months worth of hunting. Like when I get in my, uh, Minnesota tech for archery, you get two months to hunt from, from the beginning of April all the way, or either beginning of April or end of March, all the way up until mm-hmm. Labor Day. So you have a lot of weekends to get out yeah. there and set. But hunting with the bow is not an easy task. But I have a friend of mine, Greg, uh, uh, Craig James, he was on here early last spring, and he managed to get uh, a turkey every single week for one week one through four and he just got lucky with how everything worked out for the draw so there's been a, there's a plethora of turkeys but yeah i know what the, i know the the feeling of being like wish you, the, you guys were able to go like in a, in a september hunt because then you never know what you actually find to include yeah. in the the the, the, uh, the meal as well but, yes so then when it when it comes like is there any real different texture between with the elk elk heart to a whitetail heart you know I don't think so. It almost seems like it may be just a little bit more lean. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just something I uh, kind of made up and just thought that in the moment, but um, uh-huh. it, I don't know. Like it, obviously it's bigger, so you get a, quite a bit more meat out of it, uh, but it, I don't know, man. Heart to me is just, uh, especially on like a, a big game animal, like a deer or an elk or something. It's just delicious. And it, uh, but the, as far as the taste goes, it's definitely pretty similar. Um, but elk does just have like kind of a unique flavor to its meat, you know? Yeah, man. That sounds like a fantastic experience that you had out there. Yeah, dude, it was, uh, it was one of a kind for sure. I, you know, I, and I, I can't say that I've been 
you know, I'm not the most like experienced hunter, you know, I've, I've got a good few experiences, but this was one that was, um, very unique and especially mm-hmm. just being out there with those guys. And, uh, and then that meal, that like end of hunt meal, eating the, eating the game that you killed is just, I mean, the camaraderie amongst the guys is, and, and, you know, it builds that bond with a, with a, that team mentality, man. And it's just, it's a unique feeling. And I know uh, any, everybody that'd be listening is just knows that feeling and uh, that victory. And it's almost like eating the heart as part of that victory. So that to me is why I think having a recipe for that specifically, because you can pack a few things, uh, take it out with you and you can cook it over an open fire. And it's yeah. just something to like culminate that whole experience. Oh, hundred percent, man. I've never really gotten into eating anything raw before, but it's like, you know, I can, I can appreciate the, the, the sentiment of doing that. Cause it's all part of the spirituality, about giving and taking and the balance of life. And it's like, now that now the, the best part about when you have a successful hunt like that and you, and everybody pulled their weight, it's like getting that invitation to come back again is, is going to happen just because everybody got along. Nobody was complaining or whining and stuff like that, especially when you're doing a five to 10 day hunt. Cause like yeah. you can get to day five, day four, and it's like you're just drained because it's like you just see it. Do I want to go out? Type scenario, and then you get, <laughs> but it's like it's 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 the, the thrill of the hunt because you get to walk around where like mm-hmm. out here in the Midwest we don't have that fl- that ability to be able to like I'm bored in this day I'm gonna I'm gonna walk a couple of miles. It's like we just don't mm-hmm. have that luxury. Yeah, yeah, out in Wyoming, man, it's the, the once you get beyond that wilderness line it's i mean it's a lot of country that a lot of people have just never seen you know and mm-hmm. a lot of people will never go and see that just because they uh, one don't have a skill set to do it or even maybe a desire which is makes it all the better for the rest of us that love it but uh, it's almost yeah, exactly. a shame that people don't get to get out and, and see that side of the country and that side of the world even because uh, it's a unique experience to be out um, where you know the city lights don't touch the sky and mm-hmm. um, you can yell as loud as you want. Nobody's going to hear you. And it's just being out there and, and, and hunting and that camaraderie, man. Like I, I can't say enough about that uh, experience as a whole. And especially when you do it with the right people and yes. everything just culminates. Yeah. Cause I've, I've had a few, I've gone through a few hunting partners throughout the years and there's been a couple of know-it-alls that, that it's just like, you just don't want to associate with. And, yeah. and that is, that is, a, I think it's the culmination of everything is like having that big bond is either you're sharing the heart or the back straps. And yep. that's what, that's what really hunting is about is being able to share that experience with people. And I, I can appreciate you like talking about that elk uh, recipe and um, just make sure you text me with that uh, recipe in the heart too. It's like, it's a people can yeah see how big it is and yeah. then also see the recipe that goes along with it because the nice thing is elk is part of the deer family it goes because it goes from the cow's deer down there who's deer in arizona all the way up to the moose now yeah. it's like you kind of wish the old uh, um the irish elk was still stand still standing at those day but <laughs> that went extinct eleven thousand years ago during the yeah. young dry ice period but man just think about seeing that because something the, that massive Oh yeah, because like there is, uh, there's a few full skeletons that they've kind of uh, put together. They've pieced together, but that rack alone are just monsters. But then again, thinking eleven thousand years ago, like you had uh, flat-nosed bears, you had saber-toothed tigers, you had dire wolves, you had yeah. some monsters out there that makes me like that, that that fear is passed down to us nowadays. Is like these if somebody from years past would be transported to today, and like these wolves, like they're like these are puppies. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, and the all the predators that are out there that we got now are bad enough or good enough for me. I guess I should say. Yeah, exactly. They're still pretty dangerous. But uh, thank you, Austin, for uh, just taking the time and uh, t- telling us about your experience and then going through what you're what you're going to be doing next. And man, it's been awesome to having you on. Absolutely, man. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You're welcome.